met a guy at that college named Andy Fairman. Andy Fairman's dead now. Some of you might have had him for an instructor. But Andy Fairman, you couldn't hear him for three feet away. But uh, Carolyn Easley, people that know how to project their voice. And Carolyn Easley was a good instructor. You could hear her over the whole classroom. And uh, so it, it makes a difference sometimes in what you do. And uh, Steve, would you pass this around? Just I want everybody to look at this and, and uh, pass it on to somebody else. There's just a, little, a few little pictures there. We're going to go this morning right back to where we were last Sunday. Mark, first chapter. Uh, just real quick picture here, but Mark, first chapter, these last few verses here, it says, And a leper came to him, begging him on his knees and saying to him, If you are willing... You are able to make me clean. And being moved with pity and sympathy, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be made clean. And at once the leprosy completely left him, and he was made be and he was made clean. Terry said the other day that he had come close that he thought to hearing God speak to him. And two times in my life I have heard this voice. I'm not saying it's the voice of God. I don't know. It comes from right here can't see anything. I just hear it. But I was reading this one day, and I was just reading here, and I was reading this, and all of a sudden this voice right behind me said, you are that leper. And it put me on my knees. Because this leper came to Jesus on his knees, begging. And so he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. That's a statement of faith. A statement of faith. And without faith... It is impossible to please God, the Bible says. So he made this statement of faith. And there's a controversy here in that Jesus touched him. We know that Jesus never, ever violated the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. He never violated the law, but it was a violation of the law to touch a leper. 
So, was the leper clean by the time Jesus touched him? <laughs> Who knows? All we know is that Jesus is above the law. Amen. So, but you see that ugly picture right there on the front? That's leprosy. That's leprosy. Many times in the scripture, leprosy is used to represent sin. And when you see that those res, repulsive pictures you're looking at there, and you're looking at leprosy, you got any idea how God looks at us? What does God look, look, see when he looks at me? Do you know why God turned his back on Jesus while he was on the cross? Because he looked like me. And he looked like you. Because God can't stand to look at sin. And at that moment, he was bearing the sin of every one of us. And so, the title of this little thing, I didn't get this notice until yesterday, so bear with me. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare this. But I have entitled this, Grace-Infused Graciousness. Grace-Infused Graciousness. A guy named Paul Tillich has defined grace this way. We've heard grace defined so many times as unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. But this man defines grace as this. The courage to accept oneself as accepted even though unacceptable. The courage to accept oneself as accepted, even though unacceptable. There is no way on God's green earth that any of us are acceptable to God. Amen. For all have sinned. Amen. That all's bad little word. Don't leave anybody out, does it? So here you are, unacceptable. But can you accept the fact that you are accepted? That you are accepted? Do you know, I kind of had doubts about Chuck Colson's conversion. I thought it was one of those jailhouse conversions. I don't know if any of you ever knew any guests or not. But Eddie Guest lived over here in Westwood several years back. And uh, he became a prison guard out at uh, Hanford, California, out, in Sing, uh, out near Fresno, uh, the Central Valley area out there. He said the first thing those prisoners want when they get to the prison is a, is a Bible. He said when they go out the door, they throw it in the trash. And some of them use the paper to roll cigarettes. 
So I kind of had my doubts about Colson until I read his book, Born Again. And Chuck Colson said he was sitting over on the East Coast one day, meditating, looking out over this ocean. And he said he was being bothered by this term that so many evangelists use, would you come and accept Christ? Come and accept Christ. And that term has bothered me an awful lot. And I got my answer out of Chuck Colson's book. I could go out there and toss each one of you a silver dollar and you could accept it or you could reject it. That's not the acceptance that we're talking about when we say accept Christ. When you accept Christ, you accept everything that this book says about him. Everything that he claims to be, you accept. You accept the prophecy that he was expected. You accept that he was born of a virgin. You accept that he lived a sinless life. You accept that he died on the cross. You accept that he rose again from the grave. You accept that he ascended to the Father. You accept that he's coming again. And all these things, and if I missed anything, you still got to accept all of that too because it's all of him. That's what it means to accept Christ, folks. It doesn't mean that you walk up here and you shake hands with a preacher and you accept the fact that uh, you heard a good thing about Jesus and and. No, you accept Christ for all that he is. And when Chuck Colson said he came to that realization, that was his acceptance of Christ. And I knew then that the man was for real when I read that. But it answered the question that has bothered me so many times sitting in a congregation and hearing a preacher say, come, accept Christ. Like he's handing Christ out to a... Well, the Catholics do this. Do you know that the that little wafer that they hand you is under their belief of transubstantiation, that that actually becomes part of the body of Christ and that you accept Christ in your body by eating this wafer? That's what the principle of transubstantiation is all about. That's how you get saved in the Catholic Church, by accepting Christ into your body physically. That is their belief. So that's not how you accept Christ. So if you're accepted, you're accepted by Christ. You accept all that he claims to be, and you proclaim him as your Lord and your Savior. And then your only concern is, is does he accept you? And he says, I won't turn you out. So you have to accept that he tells the truth. You have to accept 
that if you come to him, that he will accept you. So, unacceptable. This leper was unacceptable. He was unacceptable. He had to walk around people. And I'm talking about around people. You talk about social distancing? Oh, yes. Social distancing was his way of life. And he had to call out, unclean, unclean, everywhere he went. He had to say, unclean. He couldn't go home to his wife and children. He could not come in contact with other people because of the contagion. He couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't go to some place and sit down and eat with people. He was ostracized completely from society. He was absolutely, totally unacceptable. And so he begs. He begs. In my congregation at Turner, I have a man who had leprosy. He wouldn't come to church for a long time because he was afraid people would be afraid of him. But yet, it's called Hansen's disease now. He got it from cleaning an armadillo. Did you all know that armadillos are carriers of leprosy? And he was cleaning it to eat it, you know, possum on a half shell. You know, that's what armadillo is. Uh, so he was cleaning the armadillo and somehow got leprosy. But he told me, he said, there's only 13% of the population that has the genetic makeup to get leprosy. That's the reason so many people can work with it or in it, around it, and everything like that, and never, never get it. Because it's, uh, you have to have the genetic prob probability to do so. But he had leprosy. But he was afraid that people would be toward him like the people were toward this leper. So, unacceptable. You see, I can say to you the same thing that voice said behind me. You are that leper. You are that leper. There's an old song that says, In God's eyes, we're like sheep in the meadow. Now and then, a lamb goes astray. Open arms should await his returning. In God's eyes, he sees it this way. And that's the way it should be. What did Jesus do? He reached out and touched 
this unacceptable leper and made him clean. He does us the same way. Even though we are of the congregation, sometimes we wander. And sometimes the congregation holds it against us. They don't want to accept us back. But God always does. And so, believing that I am accepted as an unacceptable, that empowers me to be gracious to others in the same way. See, when I realize, when I come to realize, if I have the courage to accept that I'm accepted, even though I'm unacceptable, what does that empower me to do? It empowers me to accept you in the same way, warts and all. See, everyone's difficult to some degree, me included. There's not anybody in the world that gets along with everybody. And there's some people that are just plain difficult. You know, you, we used to play a little children's game. I don't know how many I remember and uh, not, but it was called Pleased or Displeased. Had the moderator go around. They had to usually sitting in a circle. They'd come around. And they say, Mickey, are you pleased or displeased? And of course, you were always displeased. Well, what would it take to please you? Well, I want to see C.W. kiss the ugliest girl in the room. You remember we did things like that. And that guy would have to get a big frown on his face <laughs> and go over there. And the funny thing was, at your 50th reunion, she is the prettiest one there. <laughs> Been there and seen that, I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, I had a 50, at our 50th anniversary, or senior, get, or get back to graduation anniversary, or whatever, down in Moorhead, Mississippi. I was there one day, uh, and we was having a good time and reminiscing and all this. And this little old lady about your size came up to me, and she says, I don't know whether you remember me or not, but I'm Tiny Holloway. And I'm going to shock us, uh, you right at first here. What I'm going to say is this. I looked at her and I said, do you have a large scar on one of your thighs? And she said, you do remember. 
I was one of the school photographers, and she was the drum major at. And always I had to photograph her from, as Hollywood says, the good side. She had been in a terrible motorcycle accident, and she was a year behind in school because of that. She was there. Her brother was younger than her a year, and they were both in the same class. And she had a scar about that long on the outside and, you know, in that majorette uniform, that leg showed. And so she always wanted to, when I photographed her, she always wanted me to get the good side, not that scar. And But you would think that, oh, you wouldn't say that to somebody. <laughs> but, but when I said that to her, she lit up like a candle. And she said, you do remember me. And I did remember her. But I didn't remember her as being as little as she was that, that, that day there because she had become quite, quite a bit smaller over the years. But you see, people sometimes don't want to forgive. Some people want to remember the scars. Some people want to remember how you've hurt them. But if I have the courage to know that I'm accepted, then I can be gracious, can't I? Because everybody has their difficulties. I'll ask you a question. To whom do you struggle to extend grace? Extend grace. Individual. Class of people. What about child abusers? Are they difficult for you to feel gracious toward? Child abusers? Can Jesus save a child abuser? Yeah. Can you be gracious to that person? If that person comes in your view of witnessing, can you be gracious? How about sex offenders? Can you be gracious to someone who really is remorseful? I'm not saying that you don't recognize that there are victims out there and this person needs to be punished for the crimes. That's not the point. But can you be gracious? Can you be gracious to Democrats? <laughs> I thought I'd hit you with that one. <laughs> Boy, that's a tough one, ain't it? That's a tough one. 
had a guy tell me the other night something I hadn't realized, and maybe you haven't either, but that if if they can mess up this election enough that there's nobody declared to be president before January the 20th, do you know who becomes president of the United States? Nancy Pelosi. Can you be gracious? Yeah. She becomes pro tem, you know, until it is all settled out. But the thing is, is during that time, how much power would she have? So can you be gracious? Can you be gracious to those that harm you or yours? Somebody hurts you, hurts your wife, husband, children. And you see it demonstrated sometimes when people forgive publicly forgive a person for what they've done to a son or a daughter, something like that. That's God's grace. It's God's grace. That's the only place it comes from. It comes from God's grace. Another question for you. Do I live up to what I preach? Be gracious. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but the same question to you. Do you live up to what you preach? Do you live up to what you say you believe? It's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. Question. Do you really believe that God loves you so much that there is nothing that you could ever do that would make him love you less. Think about that. Do you really believe that God loves you so much that there is nothing that you could ever do that would make him love you less? Do you think God loved Osama bin Laden? Yeah. Idi Amin? Yes. You know, Idi Amin was that guy within Africa. If he invited you for supper, you were it. But God loved him. God loves you. God loves me so much. That there's nothing, nothing 
that I or you could ever do to make him love you less. That should motivate you to love. His love is relentless. He loves and continues to love, and love is rejected. Read Jeremiah, read Ezekiel, read those books and see what God did to his own people for rejecting him. But he never quit loving them. He always, he, his wrath was poured out on them. And one of the worst sentences in the whole Bible is, do not pray for this people. That's stated in there twice. To the prophet, do not pray for this people, for I will not hear. And then ask yourself this question. If he was so wrathful to his own people, why are we still sitting here in this church today? Why is this United States still here? Do you ever stop and think about that? You know this book we're looking at, it says, while it's still time, pray for this country while it's still time. How do we know there's still time? Do you know that it's still time? I don't know that it's still time. Where's the where's the 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 borderline? Where's the line that you step over? That there's no re, no returning. Where's the line that says to the today's prophet, "Do not pray for these people, for I will not hear." But see, God's love is relentless. He never quits loving, even in his wrath. And so, if we love as God loves, then our love can become relentless toward others. We can love others. And I'm talking about all these others. The child abuser, the sex offender, the Democrats, the ones, the criminals, the ones that harm us. We can be so relentless in our love that we will never cease to pray for them. See, the best thing you could do for an enemy is pray for that enemy. And then that enemy gets saved, becomes your brother or your sister. And then you know that love never fails, as Corinthians says. Love never fails. So here you go. We can 
be the ones that love this society, this rotten, filthy society that we live in. We can love those individuals out there enough to pray for them and enough to wish them salvation. We're not going to win them all. The Bible tells us that. Just remember, he touched that leper. He touched that leper. He touched this leper. Has he touched you to touch the unacceptable? That's your hard question for today. Has he touched me to touch the unacceptable? Has he touched you to touch the unacceptable? And Heavenly Father, we come to you this day. Thank you that you can hear this unacceptable one by the right of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which makes me acceptable in your sight. Thank you for that. Thank you for who you are, what you've done. And thank you for your acceptance of us who are unacceptable. And we have to frankly admit that in order to be used of you for your work. We thank you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.